0: This episode of the Extended Clip Podcast is brought to you by Shaft, in theaters now.
1: Well, you know, after the ad read, uh, you know, I was just wondering, do you guys like IPAs? Because personally, the only IPA I like is, I'm going to put your ass through a windshield, but that's just me. Real recognizes
2: real. You know, sometimes I think, how the fuck do you milk an almond? I'm not drinking that shit. I know, man. Y'all
1: too
0: busy sipping the tea when bourbon really is the joint. He's a bad mother. Watch your mouth. Hashtag Shaft. Give dad the ultimate gift this father's day with Regal E cards and take him to see hashtag Shaft tonight at Regal. <laughs> Alright, what's up you guys? Hey, <laughs> hey hey uh welcome to extended clip uh thank you for putting up with us selling out to major american film studios but we gotta we gotta keep the lights on you know
1: yeah i mean we gotta spread the word shaft's bombing hard uh everyone go see it um if we don't go see this one we might not get another one so
0: we are here not to talk about shaft we are here to talk about two films Little uh, little program that JT uh, so uh, cutely yes. named, The uh, French New
2: Wave. Yes, cinema uh, by two of my favorite auteurs, uh, French Stewart and uh, Jean-Luc Godard.
0: Yes. Am I saying uh, that right? I, yeah. I believe so. I believe uh, you are saying that right while wearing your hard for Godard shirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, Malcolm and I don't wear shirts with. So we don't worship celebrities like that. I, I only wear clothes Are you soft
1: for Godard? Like <laughs> I, un- I only wear clothing that, like, blank, no brand, no words, nothing. Yeah. Just, yeah, but that's just me.
0: I'll sell out to major film studios on my podcast, but in my wardrobe? <laughs> I don't think so.
2: Well, I mean, we are in the Chris Kyle Jean-Luc Godard studios right now. That so. is
0: true. We are, but I'm not wearing the studio. Anyway.
1: <sighs> it's like wearing the band t-shirt to the concert. You know what I mean? I got Like five Godard shirts, but I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not wearing them at
0: the contempt (laughs) exactly. So we're going to be talking about two films that have to do with time, I guess. I don't know. In the Darkness of Time, Jean-Luc Godard's contribution to uh, 10 Minutes Older, The Cello, a 2002 omnibus film of, um, you know, you get all the auteurs that you can get and they all contribute a little 10 minute piece. And Jean-Luc Godard's is the only good one, so that's why we are talking about In the Darkness of Time, alongside Clockstoppers. Woo! <laughs> a classic, co-starring French Stewart, uh, a Nickelodeon film production. Kind of, so you could say it's Nickelodeon's answer to the Disney Channel movie.
2: Yeah, and they're both 2002, the films. Yes, well. they mm-hmm. are.
0: So this was a little slice of what you could get at the Multiplex and at the Art House <laughs> in 2002.
1: You know, it's like, damn, do I see Clockstoppers or do I see this new Godard? You know, it's it's really, you're at the box office deciding, hmm, which one? You know. Yeah.
0: These are the decisions we have to make as cinephiles. And that's why we're here today, to help you make them. Which one should you watch? <laughs> now, these, these films are both uh, very well worth watching. We started the podcast last week with some not-so-hot fare. But uh, here we got, you know, one that I like and one that I consider kind of an all-time great.
1: Damn, which one is which?
0: Oh, of course, Clockstoppers is the all-time <laughs> great, yeah. No, uh, yeah, I should make it clear. Uh, JT is also hard for Godard, but I am quite a uh, a stan, as they say. He's... Really, just probably my favorite filmmaker of all time, and "In the Darkness of Time" is a great kind of intro to his later style of essay filmmaking. I won't say it's like better than "Histoire du Cinema" because that one's you know five hours long, and this one's ten minutes. But I enjoy it more than "Histoire du Cinema." I'll say that much.
1: Yeah, I haven't I haven't seen "Histoire du Cinema," but uh, you know I, I consider this Godard's "Back to the Future."
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I haven't seen Historic du cinema either. I have the DVD, and it's just staring at me on my shelf. Just, I feel very ashamed that I haven't made the time for it yet. Uh, but this ten minute little slice of JLG, uh, just a little pick me up you need in your day.
0: Yeah, had you had either of you seen much late period Godard in general?
2: I
1: saw the one he did, maybe the black and white one in two thousand one. I forgot what that's called. In, in that praise scene? of love. Yes. Like yes.
0: part in black and white, part in color shot digitally.
1: Yeah, I guess I don't remember it that well. And uh, Goodbye to
2: Language, which I'm a, a big classic. fan of.
0: Yeah. You see it in 3D? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. The greatest 3D experience I've ever had, for sure.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I like Lake Godard. Um, I've seen a good bit. I mean, the thing that I feel like is weird about... Like when I got into him for the first time, it was like when I was like a real young, like 14 year old boy, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I was just, I dug his aesthetic, but then I just feel like so much just flew right over my fucking head.
0: Of course, yeah. The mm-hmm. politics, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I've seen like most of his recent output as well, like mm-hmm. the image book. Uh, mm-hmm. That was a real treat. Yeah.
0: yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't as hot on the image book as others, but I liked it. Uh, obviously, everything he does is interesting on a formal level, on a stylistic level. You know, he's kind of just pushing the envelope uh, with the camera and with the editing every single time he goes out there. Even when he's not shooting new footage, like in the one we're talking about today, the opening scene is some footage he shot, but the rest of it is repurposed footage. It's it's an essay film. Either you wanna say your general thoughts on the uh, In the Darkness of Time, Dans Le Noir du Temps.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I feel like it's Godard really going for the heart here. He's really like, really wants to make you cry. You know, he's just, uh, it's pure pathos. Yeah, I I, I was a big fan. I watched it uh, a couple of times back to back and you know, I was just trying, first time I didn't really even process it. It was just like images on a screen. I'm like, all right, cool. And then gave it a second run through and yeah, big fan.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty much in the exact same camp where it's just, like, I feel like he has a bad rep. or well, I mean, not necessarily. I don't want to say it's inaccurate that he's an asshole. Um, oh, he's a piece of shit. But, like, uh, I don't know. That's part of the charm for me. For sure. Uh, and I feel like he gets, like, often labeled as, like, pretty cold and, like, callous in that respect. And this is a very, like, I was just taken aback by, like, how in, like, such a short span of time and, like, with just all... Um, existing footage makes you feel so much. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, he, it's it's really fantastic. We should say what it is cuz we haven't really gotten it. We've just been, you know, talking around it saying how great it <laughs> is. So, it starts out a fire outside and a woman asks an older man, "Why is it black at night?" And he talks about how the sky kind of in its darkness absorbs all of history. And it just kind of becomes a wash. And we don't have it anymore. And it's really tragic. And then what happens is a series of title cards appear. Uh, The last minutes of fill in the blank. You know, each segment has a little title card. And the first one we see is the last minutes of youth. And the way that Godard represents this is Jean-Pierre Léod dying in his movie Made in USA. And it's pretty cool, right? Yeah, it's a delight (laughs) to see again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's... I, you know... Look, there are three invocations of Godard's own work here uh, that I noticed, at least. And this one is kind of the most surface level, but it's a really cool scene. And it is still kind of getting into the theme of the work. Like you hear in voiceover, the if I tell you about time, it's because it doesn't exist anymore. And you're still kind of wrapping your head around the notion of the film while you just watch a young Jean-Pierre Leaud die. And then the next one is where we get a uh, we get a little freaky in the, uh, the last minutes of Courage, which... We hear the noises of a war. We hear bombs and guns. But what do we see? We see a clip from a pornographic film where a woman is being urinated on. Now, look, folks. This kind of thing you usually can't find on YouTube. But (laughs) if you want to find that on YouTube, you go, you know, two and a half minutes into In the Darkness of Time. So, way to slip one past the goalie there, Godar.
1: Link will be in the description, the timestamp
2: of when that happens in the movie. Yeah. (laughs) I always like, that's my favorite part about Godard films is that I can like beat off to them as well. There's a little something for like highbrow, lowbrow, just like the pod. Mm.
0: I made sure to do my civic duty and add this nudity to the Mr. Skin database. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's like terrifying. It's, It's that really oversaturated look that he gives footage that he repurposes and he just like makes the colors look like they're bleeding and that they're... Uh, the color palette of a package of gushers rather than a normal looking film. It just looks ugly and kind of beautiful in its low rent ugliness.
2: Yeah. And I mean, to go along with like the sound in what you were saying about the sounds of war and the bombs, I feel like one thing that was like, particularly striking is i feel like how little sound he uses because mm-hmm. mostly it's just the piano yeah that score. one piano mm-hmm. score yeah um and then it's like really effective then when when does it like at what point does it entirely drop out is that it some drops of the... out in a few segments okay. when we get
0: to love yes yeah uh godard's use of sound is like as important as his use of image once you pass you know 1980 or so he's really i would maybe say a little further than that but he's really doing a lot with stereo uh in a way that you know Robert Altman is who kind of put me on to really paying attention more to the stereo mixing of films. And, you know, his films were a great intro for that. But the way Godard does it just completely breaks your perception of what a sound mix is supposed to do in terms of its function, uh, in terms of realism versus expressionism. And, yeah, it's just always a fun treat to watch.
2: The motherfucker's an audiophile. Kind of like us. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He's got his big DAC, uh, you know, headphone amp. He walks around with that taped to his phone. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So after we see that uh, nasty juxtaposition in the last minutes of courage, we see the last minutes of thought. And the sounds of the bombs kind of slowly fade into sounds of garbage, like bags hitting the street. And these garbage bags are filled with books. People are just throwing away their books in the last minute of thought and a young woman pauses before throwing away a book opens it and says that in i think therefore i am the i of the i am is not the same as the i in i think why the feeling i have of existence is not yet mine And look, I know that's some like fucking makes you think type shit, (laughs) but it really is a good summary of this oversaturation of media that we take in. And like especially just being online where you have all these opinions that you get from reading stuff that is just only in your mind and on the Internet, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, and I, in your library.
1: And Good Goodyard says he's done with the hype. He's over it. He's <laughs> throwing away all that shit. Yeah, it's
0: it's, he's it's done clout chasing. Yeah, he's d- too many
1: clout chasers and these these fucking authors. They just want you know
2: their books to go viral. So. No
0: longer following back unless he knows you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think he's talked numerous times about oh, if he were to redo this today, he would just be throwing away minions Blu-rays. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> that is the end of thought. Is the <laughs> The wave of ironic minion purchases uh, by 30, 20 and 30 year old men uh, just trying to stay alive. That, they
1: must make a lot of money off of ironic purchases, Universal oh, sure.
0: or
2: whatever. Yeah. They've certainly yeah. got a lot of my money.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, back to people throwing away their books. Uh, basically, it's just like all of our art and intellectualism or whatever doesn't amount to shit. Uh, you know, he calls it all uncharitable, and you just. It ends with a garbage truck picking up bags full of books. And it's like, hey, man, makes you think. Because the next thing that makes you think is the last minutes of memory. This is where he gets very shocking. This is where, honestly, like I could see why you could be offended by the film is inclusion of concentration camp footage. And the subtitle of the segment is the imprescriptible. I didn't say that right. What do you guys think of uh, his use of footage from the Holocaust? I know that's like a loaded question. I know we're getting really (laughs) into the heavy shit right now. I'm sorry. I
2: mean, I I thought it was really effective and Mm -hmm. like worked because I think it's like particularly jarring coming off of like the, I mean, really any segment up until this point. And is is
0: here where he drops out the music? No, it's actually right after this segment. This segment ends and then the music drops out and it puts in that French pop song and it shows up the last minutes of love. Yeah. But back to memory. Yeah, it's really bad. Like, I mean, it's it's great on his part as a filmmaker for how bad it makes me feel. It's just extremely affecting. It's shocking. And, you know, Godard is great at using shock tactics, as cheap as that sounds. It works on me, you know? Because he's challenging these notions of, like, intellectualism and art's purpose and all that. And then he makes you just remember, oh, yeah, it, it really is all pointless because... There's like much worse shit happening in the world than me not understanding the philosophy books that I'm reading.
1: No, yeah, definitely, and like I feel like the inclusion of that footage, it just really shows you that this is just like I f- at least is how I feel about it. At least like that, like this short is kind of just like all the things that just swarm Godard's mind, and that's yeah. just, that is what he's constantly thinking about.
0: Yeah, no, I I wrote it down like right after one of my viewings that. It was like just a reckoning of worst case scenarios. Just Mm -hmm. all of these topics, how he sees them, just the worst possible version of their death. And uh, yeah, for him, the death of memory is the, you know, forgetting of the Holocaust. And that's a big part of Histoire du Cinema. Uh, You could say that it's the thesis of the film, that film as a medium failed because we didn't properly use it to capture the horrors of what happened uh, in the Holocaust. But, you know... I disagree no matter what I think about that film. I think it's a masterpiece, even if I think he's a little extreme in that regard. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's definitely a big preoccupation of his, which a lot of people call him anti-Semitic too. And he's yeah. done some stuff that's like, come on, like in JLG, JLG uh, self-portrait in December. He does this really dumb thing where he like draws a Jewish star. Uh, while he's like talking about like conspiracy kind of stuff, and it comes <laughs> off oh, very God. not cool. <laughs> yeah. It's but that film is also just like him playing tennis and like trying to write, and it's like extremely relatable. I don't know. It's yeah. he contains multitudes. Yeah. Sometimes
1: you try out a bit and it just doesn't work, <laughs> you know. You know, sometimes you just try out
0: something new and you see how people react to it, and, you yeah. Know, you pivot from that, <laughs> mm-hmm. bi- yeah. Uh, Richard Brody said of. Oh Woe Is Me which came out you know about 10 years before this one that it was his first that it was Godard's first film from a Jewish perspective Hmm. and I don't buy that at all Uh, I'll just say that I love Richard Brody and it's in a book that I love everything is cinema Um, Uh, essential reading for the Godard heads out there Richard Brody's coverage of Godard's career up to like 2004 I think. Yeah, I don't completely buy into that. I think, like, it's kind of a weird contradiction in his work where he kind of flippantly throws quote-unquote Jew stuff around uh, because probably of his exposure to the Israel-Palestine conflict uh, while also, you know, constantly advocating for better representation of the Holocaust and, like, going after Spielberg for what he did in Schindler's List. You know, it's difficult. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So after we see atrocity footage we see the last minutes of love and the music changes and we hear like a breakup speech about how you know we never loved each other and uh, Mm -hmm. i don't love you anymore because we never loved each other in fact and it's just a close-up of a woman's eyes and i gotta say it's still pretty affecting you know and it's bare minimalism
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a real breakup simulator for those, you know, or eye contact simulator for those trying to <laughs> work on making eye contact with people. I'd recommend ma- watching this movie.
0: Yeah. Rather than downloading like a flash game simulator where you talk <laughs> to the girls at school, you should just play this 12 second clip. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It also kind of feels like Goddard is breaking up with you. So yeah. you get to get off on that as yeah. well. Oh,
0: like, yeah. I would love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's a total
2: fuckboy. <laughs> yeah. He's breaking up. With you know, he's right. going to break up with you. But then a week later, he's going to call you. Yeah, up and exactly. Exactly. get back together
0: yeah or do much worse things in the case of him and anna karina which is a famously mm-hmm. awful toxic relationship so the next one is the last minutes of silence and it's a scene of a man being tortured in a bathroom handcuffed uh a match being held to his hand getting a little shower to the face actually a little soft waterboarding if you will <laughs> i don't know the source of this clip at all me neither no, i yeah i didn't i don't think gadar filmed it it looked like it like a 60s european black mm-hmm. and white low budget movie yeah couldn't quite tell it what it was uh you know good stuff but then you go to history oh boy the last minutes of history we just see a clip from gadar's masterpiece king lear voiceover about how oh death she's gone forever dead as earth and you get gadar looking out at that water uh, I guess it's the lake, <laughs> with a woman laying behind him. I think that's Molly Ringwald. She's in King Lear for a little bit. Yeah. I think that's her.
2: I haven't seen King Lear, but isn't, like, he that has a pretty weird cast. Oh, yeah. Or, like, Norman Mailer's in it. With Woody, uh, Allen? Woody Allen's in it for yeah. a couple of minutes. King Lear is, like, essential. Yeah, I Woody love Allen, King Lear. just as lo- widely loved as Godard. Exactly, yeah.
0: yeah. Kind of the Godard of America. <laughs> if you really think about it, Yeah. <laughs> They both made smart-ass freaking movies about yeah. being an intellectual leftist. <laughs> oh, man. I don't want to know. Is Woody Woody's leftist? No. <laughs> yeah. man, is, is Woody He's woke? in the DSA. Anti-capitalist? <laughs> no. Woody keeps making money so he can send checks to Israel. Like, Dang. Yeah. Dang. I just assumed that's not, I'm real, not I guess so. <laughs> I can't I can't be a fan anymore it starts spreading stuff like propaganda that. like that <laughs> yeah I'd like to start a rumor that's what gets no that would not be what gets Woody canceled but uh, uh, his connection is real yeah <laughs> maybe not funny uh <laughs> 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 maybe this isn't something to joke about Damn. but anyway yeah. yeah I wasn't joking about it so yeah King Lear is an awesome movie uh he made it for canon, uh, you know, Golem and Globus, the exploitation production house. Mm-hmm. And he had like Norman Mailer and he wanted Norman Mailer uh, to really lean into kind of the incestuous uh, side of his and his daughter's relationship played by his actual daughter. Oh. And he left. And uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. there's there's a really great Jonathan Rosenbaum article about like the history of King Lear. And I actually gave a like 20 minute presentation about it in a class I took in, in college uh, which was the most bored I've ever seen. <laughs> I've sat through some pretty <laughs> shitty lectures and classes still seemed more interested than they were when I was talking about the adaptation of King Lear by Jean-Luc Godard. But after that, we get the last moments of fear, which is more war footage. The guy's face that got blowed up. It's it's pretty scary. I shouldn't, you know, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. It's just war when you go into hell. it this yeah. deep. Oh uh, damn, dude. It is deep. Um, and then we get the last minutes of the eternal which is a biblical film that i can't quite place mm-hmm. i think it's i either Rossellini or pasolini uh they, both, the have, they <laughs> both have like a biblical film uh mm-hmm. this is where i really show my ass in terms of like the european art cinema outside of Godard. i don't know shit about it to be honest either you guys place that that clip that he played? Nope. No? No. Well, after that, then we get the title Vivre Savi, and we see Anna Karina crying from Vivre Savi at Joan of Arc, and that's like, you know, Godard just flexing on us, just yeah. showing, oh, yeah. remember when I created one of the most powerful <laughs> moments yeah. in cinema history? Remember this shit? Yeah, I yeah. remember how fucking hard I went <laughs> with this shit. Uh, yes, John- Why don't we oh, end cinema w-
2: after this, this little yeah. image? That was one note I wrote down, uh, was Jean-Luc Gethard. But I was thinking of it like he directed the Kevin Hart, Will Ferrell thing. He would make that that a much better movie,
0: yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then we see The Last Minutes of Cinema, which is like a cloth being transformed by like a piece of equipment that's for special effects. Very vague. It looks ugly as shit. And then we see a candlelit flame showing a painting because, you know, Godard loves painting more than films. Mm -hmm. Uh, Why doesn't he become a fucking painter then? You know, like he gets so obsessed with painting in these essay films and... I'm sorry, I don't know shit about art history. So whenever he cuts to a painting, I'm just like, yeah, it looks cool, but I don't know <laughs> what the fuck this is supposed to represent. I can place some of the American films that you splice in, but that's it. you know. It represents being smart
1: and intelligent, knowing what paintings are, enjoying them, and consuming them on a regular basis.
0: Yeah. I think. And then we get the evening he said, evening she said, evening we said you know predating limp Bizkit, of course it's all about <laughs> <laughs> evening he said bullshit uh and you get some spooky medieval looking organ music shit mm-hmm. i i really can't describe the last 30 seconds of this film watched it like five times i don't know what's going on there's a mask yeah no yeah it's, it's kind of scary i don't know
1: yeah i want i wonder what the footage is like it's it's really it's really vague like i don't i don't get it like at all but um, you know it looks cool
0: I feel like he's using shock and like self-reflexivity for kind of like a better purpose than in Histoire du cinema. I'm not saying that one was a failed effort, but this one really gets an emotional response out of showing the name of one of his films and then showing a five-second clip of that film. Uh really more of a response than I expected to get out of that every time I watch it, you know. And uh yeah, being self reflexive can still be cool sometimes, you know. It's it's really lame and it's become like a trend in bad comedy, like the Dan Harmon school of comedy, uh to do like the meta thing. Mm-hmm. But it can still be fucking good. I'll say that, you know. Yeah. So I guess that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess that's it. <laughs> I guess, you know, are we all hard for Godard for this one?
1: Yeah. Hard for Godard, go hard
2: Godard, all that all that. Yeah, I'm I am very erect right now.
0: Well, uh we'll go take care of that and come back for clock stoppers.
2: Teen in a DJ battle <laughs> <laughs>
0: This is what happens <laughs> in Clock Stoppers, ladies and gentlemen We are back <laughs> <laughs> And I caught JT saying the W word on mic Which is a very appropriate word uh, for a couple of the characters in the film we watched today 2002, Jonathan Frakes film A children's film, I guess you could say A teen, aimed at tweens, I would say, right?
1: Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I mean. it's
0: a PG movie. Uh, it's one that I watched as a child and liked very much, and forgot about most of until, until today when I watched Clock once again.
2: Yeah, I never saw it as a child, but it was something that pissed me off that I didn't because I had the the fantasy of it all of stopping time. Just was like, oh man, I want. They're gonna do exactly what I want to do. I want to see the the promise of the premise, them fun and games.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, this uh, it was very proto-Click. I don't really remember this movie, but I feel like that fantasy got into my head through Click when Adam Sandler in the Click trailer slowed down time and watched the jogger with her boobs bounce up and down. <laughs> I was like, damn, what if that was real life? That'd be cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, and we got to give props to this movie for uh, not indulging in any perversion in that sense. Like, there are some horny yeah. characters but this is not a movie where someone stops time and sexually assaults anybody, no, which is th- very good. There's like yeah. a
1: moment. There's like a moment. He looks into the camera. Yeah. he, and he says, <laughs> This would be <laughs> weird. <laughs> 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 a
0: very proto Deadpool moment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then he gets her to kiss him with her consent, and it's very sweet. Yeah. 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 So anyway, we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> so, Clock Stoppers. Uh, what's it about, boys?
2: Oh, goodness. Uh, life, love. <laughs> Um, time this is true but do you want to do like a plot well I was gonna say
0: at least like the sci-fi premise of it like the the premise of the science of it which is that if you're not familiar there are these clocks or not clocks really watches that when you press the button you go into what's called hyper time and you're not freezing time you're just slowing it down, and yeah, you're they're going, going extremely going really fast. Yeah. fast. So it's basically like time is frozen, but everything's moving at you know one one-thousandth speed.
1: Yeah, and that power ends up in the hands of uh, a young boy who is the son of a professor.
0: Yes, who is working <laughs> on some secret experiment. You know, he, he's keeping it under wraps. We don't really know. This is a kid... Uh, like, it's a film from the kid's perspective, so we're kind of kept in the dark we have a couple like very broad uh scenes about like the evil people who want this technology who are like the cia i guess yeah
2: it's like the government because uh, the nsa uh is shutting down the the or like they're taking back the technology all the clock stopping technology uh from this one government subgroup and that's like the impetus for like like french Stuart, make this time stop stuff faster
0: yeah, so French Stewart plays a uh, a, sci- a science guy, like he's a science student, I guess. Who, or, or is he a scientist in his own right, who's like he's, posing as a student? N- uh, mm-hmm.
2: no, I think what I mean, I think one of the jokes is that he starts off as like a young hippie guy. Yeah, because his like ID has him as like the shaggy hippie.
0: Yeah, he has a very long beard and uh long hair in the opening scene of the film. Yeah. And so we get that opening scene after a very cool, like, digital, very cyber title sequence uh, where you only get the first couple titles, you know. And then you get that opening with French Stewart where he wants to get on a plane to escape some bad guys, you know, a a classic action movie, cold open. And then we go to the rest of the opening credits set to, of course, Blink-182's All the Small (laughs) Things. Work sucks, I
2: know. I knew I was in love with this movie at that moment. I think, like the soundtrack. I think at at some point I'll read aloud all of it, but it's just fantastic.
0: It's a time capsule. It's a fantastic time capsule.
1: When I heard that, I literally went like, "Oh shit!" Like they got that song in the movie. Like
0: (laughs) I clapped. I I don't applaud at the movie theater. I didn't know what to do with myself. I was so excited to hear all the small things set to. Our main character, who we're meeting for the first time, a teen boy named Zach, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, think yeah, Zach. Zach. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's Zach. I think it's Zach. Uh, and he's doing some freaking BMX. He's just like riding to school like a total badass. This is part of the late 90s to early 2000s action sports canon. Uh, I'm, I was pleasantly surprised to be reminded of that. I did not remember this movie as a BMX movie, but it has a lot of BMX content. For you action sports heads out there,
1: yeah. And Zach, he like he gets around exclusively by bike. One of the things is he's trying to buy a car, but in like those transitions, you just get to see some really cool bike tricks throughout yeah, the that's movie. Yeah, so fucking neat. Yeah, I was it. like
2: surprised. I was like, this is such a nice aspect of this character. That's like yeah. it's nothing more than just you get some bike tricks.
0: Yeah, I was thinking, why does he want a car so bad when he's so fucking good at riding a bike? Yeah. Like he's easily one of the best people at riding a bike he doesn't need a car but anyway so he finds this watch and he finds its powers while he's trying to seduce the uh the new exchange not exchange student because she moved here with her family and she's just like a super rich venezuelan girl who he embarrasses himself in front of the first time you know he meets her at the athletic store that his friend works at where smash mouth's holiday is playing (laughs) on a loop this song finishes and starts over again because it's a very <laughs> long scene. Uh, so he tries to like woo her there while she's rock climbing. And you know, there's some pretty cool shots of there There's like her POV looking down from the top of the rock wall. And mm-hmm. I got to say, Jonathan Frakes really directs the shit out of this movie.
1: <laughs> no. Yeah. I love that scene in particular, him being the rock climbing bozo and just, you know, fucking up and him trying to like flirt while like playfully cl- mm-hmm. rock climbing is hilarious. It's a great device.
0: Yeah, I love that she calls him a bozo, too. Yeah. That really struck a chord with me. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. one thing about uh, Freak's direction that I think, like, in the opening sequence, I like the little effect that it does with the camera when French Stewart is getting sucked back into oh, the yeah. van. Oh, yeah, it's
0: great. It's a very active camera. I'll say that much. There's a lot of, like, you could say kind of pointless steady cam. But when you're in these kind of expositional scenes, you might as well just have a little visual flair thrown in there. It's a kid's movie, for God's mm-hmm. sake. Keep it a little interesting. And uh, Jonathan Frakes does, does just that.
1: And it's an extreme movie, too, about extreme sports. So you got to have the extreme camera shots as well. Yeah,
0: exactly. I said action sports earlier, but really extreme sports is yeah. the correct term here. This is, this is a better era. This is <laughs> first-term Bush era when we have superstars in the culture like Dave Mira and Tony Hawk and Bob Burnquist and Travis Pastrana. It's really just a golden age mm-hmm. of extreme sports that this movie takes place during. Back
1: when life was
2: good.
0: Back when life was good. Exactly. Just <laughs> on the cusp bad. of the energy drink craze of the mid 2000s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's another thing. Uh this I feel like
2: another similar craze is like a DJ thing that like his oh, uh, yes. friend is or his best friend is really obsessed with.
0: Ooh this is a good scene man. This is so <laughs> it's set up early on that uh he he's going to go hang out with the girl. You know, he he impresses her in the way that, you know, he uh he also gets picked on these two white boys who are into djing and, and looking cool uh, in a very early 2000s watches mtv once way you know what
1: we're talking about here yeah uh, a Bleach word that blonde tracksuits.
0: yeah exactly yeah. uh red flames on the the bowling shirt i must say in one scene <laughs> and that was spectacular to see but anyway this duo of dj boys uh tries to also hit on the venezuelan girl by and just being racist, yeah, at her. Uh, they are extreme. They think that she's gonna want to kiss both of them because they're racist, and it's really <laughs> shocking. And this is after they're racist to our main character's best friend, who we may note is an African American young boy, and uh, yeah, he, those two guys just spill a Mountain Dew on him, and I guess it's established there that they are DJ rivals, uh, the rivals in the local scene and that show is going down tonight man they're going to have a dj spin off uh see who's the better turntablist and so our main character goes there with his date after impressing her with the magic of the watch
2: yeah
1: mm-hmm. and this this uh dj party is kind of like dj shadow meets dubstep culture you know yeah <laughs> <In> the- <laughs> Real turntablism, a lot of teens going crazy off the E, just <laughs> listening to record scratches. The fundamentals of hip hop, too. You know? <laughs>
0: yeah. I gotta say, man, these are like the teens of the high school, and they're just absolutely losing their shit for this dusty ass turntablism stuff. Like, I guess it's Nickelodeon's idea of what the nightclubs were like. This mm-hmm. is a Nickelodeon production, by the way. Yeah. Uh, just it's, remind them. It's a yeah. very odd. Uh, way to approach this so this is part of the fun and games segment we'll, we'll double back on what they do at first but this is zach and what's her name fellas uh, yeah. oh, oh, goddamn. oh fuck this strike, is make a you just tea check checks, strike one two and three i just pointed out all three uh, of us because none of uh, us know the name of the guilty.
2: character um you know all all i have is venezuela the uh, love yeah. the love
1: interest
0: yeah right, I, i'm looking it up real quick It it is a real criticism of the movie that the love interest is an extremely thinly drawn character. Mm -hmm. She's along for the ride. She's very rich. She is down to kiss the main character. We don't really know much else. Uh, She's trained in ballet, which leads her to kick someone, kick French Stewart right in the face. Yeah. Yeah. And
2: like French Stewart is just like so cool with hitting on a high (laughs) school girl. He loves it. He calls her a hottie, I believe. French Francesca is her name.
0: Francesca is her name.
1: Okay. (laughs) That's right. I like how at the start of the movie, like how much she like seems to like hate him. And then like for no reason, it just like switches. It's
0: It's because of his magic. Yeah. But then she says, you didn't need magic. And then she kisses him once they're out of hyper time. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of weird, but anyway, what's the truth? Yeah. So they play with hyper time by like a, getting back at like the local cop who's giving traffic tickets you know by making like a dog they catch a dog midstream and like make her piss on the car yeah oh
2: they stop a graffiti artist which is lame they yeah like that's super lame it. they like both sides ciderism yeah. you know they, they make it seem, yeah, <laughs> yeah
0: they're doing a they're little centrist. vigilante <laughs> yeah. so some vigilante justice you know they're stopping crimes <laughs> Uh, so they do that fun in games, and then they go to the DJ show. And man, our boy, our best friend, is just totally eating shit up there, and the two white boys are just going off. They have the place shaking, absolutely, mm-hmm. just you know. Our our man is in need of rescue, so our two characters go up there and do it. They go into hyper time, and they make him do dance. Moves which completely (laughs) defies the science that the movie sets up. I like that that this is where (laughs) you throw the science. Yeah, I was like, Is that how that works? (laughs) I was like, Okay, it's like 30 minutes of the science being somewhat believable, and then they make him (laughs) do dance routines and get good at record scratching by playing him as a puppet and he ends up like doing a head spin on the turntable (laughs) and the crowd is losing it and they finally, and then they go up to the bad guys and they make him do a dance routine that makes him look like lame and a nerd and they make him like do the worm and stuff and then they're just like spinning them out of control and, and making them fly across the room <laughs> like a scary movie and all <laughs> yeah. these teens are just still losing it they don't think it's weird at all
1: yeah they're just it's just like uh, someone spinning in midair for like 20 seconds levitating <laughs> 10 feet off the ground and, and i got to say
0: i love the special effects it, you know this is a nickelodeon production and they looked like slime they they really did look like slime it was awesome so uh, we get we get that big scene. What what else goes on? Um,
2: that's when shit gets serious. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, oh, that's when Zach's dad gets kidnapped because or no wait, there's um, we encounter the the bad guys a little bit beforehand.
0: I yeah, they they're the ones trying to run the technology of the the watch that stops time and goes into hyperspace, hyper time <laughs> rather. <laughs> And so they find out that French Stewart's character has been like contracting out some research work to this professor uh, to get like an outside look. So they get really mad and they kidnap the professor, who is our main character's dad. You know, that's how the kid gets the watch in the first place. Uh, Sorry, we're a little out of
2: order here. We're just so obsessed with distorting time now (laughs) because of this movie.
0: Blurring between past and present reality and fiction, all that. Yeah, we're just
2: watching Clockstoppers for the first time right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He does the big kiss with the girl at the end of the night. Like, they do the turntable scene. They win that. He mm-hmm. drives her back home. She says, you don't need magic. And they do a big kiss. And it's dumb as hell, to be honest. But then, 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 he goes home and sees those bad guys doing a home invasion in hyper time. Uh, you know, they would already kidnapped the dad. And they're just, like, looking through all his shit. So then we go into a chase scene. Yeah, they're sequence. trying to find a watch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then we get like a really sick chase sequence in hyper time where he, the kid steals a minivan or just a regular van rather. And they're running through the streets and all the streetlights and like the headlights of the cars that are in normal speed, which looks like freezed, uh, (laughs) which looks frozen. Uh, (laughs) The colors are all blurred and the lights are all blurred and it really looks cool. I gotta be honest. It looks kind of cheap, but it looks really cool in my opinion. And it's a really fun action sequence.
1: Mm -hmm. this is a movie that really does have a lot of fun with its concept like it it really it it really delivers on like you want to see time stop you want to see some clock stopper shit like we have this for you it's all here
2: yeah that's like i just i was so surprised by how much fun it was and just like how much like because i thought there would be so little actual clock stopping but they fucking know what you want
0: it's the whole movie it's Mm -hmm. like this is a 93 minute movie With 68 minutes of clock stopping content. Yeah, we're probably in
2: hyper time for most of the film. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's
0: great. So you get that chase sequence, which ends up, you know, he doesn't get back to his dad. The bad guys have him and they're after him. And now the cops are after him, too, because the bad guys know how to navigate hyper time without getting caught by the police. Our our protagonist does not. Um, I have in my notes here. "iBook" written beneath this. There's a lot of the Apple laptop from the early 2000s, the iBook in this. Uh, iBook and Pepsi seem to have uh, paid for a good portion of this film, which, again, it's okay with me. Those are (laughs) good-looking things on camera. There's a very weird country cover of Time After Time. Oh, speaking of other uh, good
2: covers in there, there's a Sugar Ray abracadabra in this, which is fucking...
0: Should we just do Soundtrack Corner right now? Are you down to read off the uh, artist and songs real quick? JT has brought with us Soundtrack Corner as Malcolm turns off his phone. I don't (laughs) know know where my phone is. I don't know (laughs) where my phone uh, is, so I can't turn it off. Someone's (laughs) blowing him up.
1: So I'm looking from the phone right now. I don't know where it is.
0: Real professional up in this, but whatever. So Soundtrack Corner, Clock Stoppers, you're on the clock.
2: All right. There are 15 tracks here, folks. We're going to go through them fast, and we're going going to go through them well. We have Holiday in My Head by Smash Mouth, the previously mentioned Abracadabra, Sugar Ray, A Song for Everyone, Phoenix TX, uh, Time After Time by Uncle Cracker.
0: Uncle Cracker. <laughs> oh, my yes, God. I <laughs> made a note so I would look up who did that cover, and I never did, and <laughs> I'm so glad it's Uncle Cracker. Just... A further argument for this being a perfect early 2000s time capsule.
2: Yeah, there's Never Let You Go, Third Eye Blind, Hell All yeah. the Small Things by Blink-182. What a perfect way to start a film. Breathe, Nickelback, The Minute I Met You, Newfound Glory, The Worst Day Ever, Simple Plan, Bohemian Like You, Dandy Warhols, Quicksand, Lit, Space to Share. Lit? Sh- <laughs> <laughs> Space to Share by Scapegoat Wax, Know My Name, Cool Keith. Yeah, oh it's The weekend, Lil J. And I think this is the credit song is Time is Ticking Out by the Cranberries.
0: Yeah, that's after they play the Smash Mouth song again. That's oh, what yeah. starts <laughs> the credits. And then also excluded in that is First Date by Blink-182. Oh shit, yeah. Yeah. So this really is just a great time capsule and it's a great film. I'm I'm going to be look, if we're going to actually try to reclaim this as like a uh, actually good film, there are some real criticisms you have to deal with. Obviously, the love interest character, who we could not remember the name of earlier, Francesca, very thinly drawn. All we know about mm-hmm. her is that she's down for the ride. She wants to fucking ride have an die. adventure. Honestly, Cock she's... stopper, am I right? That is true. But also, Francesca is the OG down-for-spontaneous-adventures girl. Uh, Very down to just, like, go on this, you know, journey where you're hunted by the FBI for... Using clock stopping equipment. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. The
2: funny thing is, like, cause first she's mostly pissed off that he brings a possum into her home. <laughs> oh yeah, that was great. Before uh
0: before he has the whole clock stopping thing. She gives out. the great line of You and your big rat, that's what's
1: You're weird. Sh-
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: because she thinks possums are rats. <laughs>
2: but that like after that after she gets over oh it's cuz you stop time she's pretty cool and fucks with it which is kind of yeah. chill that's true <laughs> yeah i wish she had more to do though yeah i know scene. of like, course it is
0: a little much of just like oh she's fucking badass dude yeah. she, you know but i mean if you
2: had a like i like that it, the film gives into like if you had like a super power or ability like this you would primarily just use it to get laid oh especially mm-hmm. as like a 16 <laughs> oh kid. yeah yeah, yeah for how sure. old is he
1: is he supposed to is he in high school in this movie i don't really oh, know for sure yeah he's in, he's high, in high school, school. Yeah. I, for some reason i thought he was in college oh, no,
2: he just he visits his dad's class in the beginning yeah but he looks like he's he like, 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 like the 25 other yeah, yeah he's like
1: 25 and like a big point in the movie is that like he's upset that his dad doesn't spend time with him and he looks he looks like a grown
0: man <laughs> and he wants a convertible mustang like really <laughs> bad <laughs> But anyway, um I, I will say the other criticism, there are two instances of and you know, I can't even say it's a product of its time, because early two thousands is way too late for this. Two instances of what you would call an ethnic music sting. Uh oh, at yeah. one point there is some it's not quite the quote unquote oriental riff that you hear when you know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm not mm-hmm. gonna mimic it. Uh but it's something similar to that when he's like playing with some swords, I believe. Yeah. And then there's (laughs) another one that I can't quite remember, but then there's also like the whole hip hop turntablism scene was, it's kind of weird to think about. Uh, That's all Mm -hmm. I'm going to say is.
2: I have written down in my notes the word funk fliggity.
0: Yeah, that is said for sure. And Funk Master Flex is in this film. He plays one of the heavies named Big Mike, uh, who's never referred to by name. Doesn't really have many lines. Yeah, he's in it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, like I said, like that DJ scene is all about the five elements of hip hop, and him being there really like reinforces mm-hmm.
0: that. Yeah, turntablism being obviously the most important element of hip hop. Breaking to, uh, all of us, yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> actually, graffiti. Yeah. This
1: movie really has has all the five <laughs> <laughs> elements of hip hop. What are the two other ones? Rapping. That's, That's one, one of, them. of them. But like, I'm, it's There's more about more.
0: turntablism and breaking and graffiti. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. rapping and whatever else. So there is a payoff for the paintball. I wrote down paintball payoff really big. <laughs> Uh, at the athletic store in the beginning they're like playing with paintball guns and then French Stewart gets a hold of some paintball guns they all get paintball guns in the climax where they go and uh, you know storm the secret base and rescue the dead and blow it all up and it, it's a it's kind of like a nothing special about that action climax but yeah. I wasn't expecting it to they, they really did a lot of fun stuff with clock stopping beforehand mm-hmm. so I you know they weren't gonna do much else but they did do he did go into hyper time while in hyper time during the climax. <laughs>
2: that is really cool. I like that. Like sort of like he's just he can go through anything. That's so fucking mm-hmm. fun.
0: And there are two references there at play. If if you want to play with me with these, because they might be kind of a reach. But first of all, <laughs> it's kind of like the climax of Ant Man when he has to go into whatever that other realm is uh, that nobody got out. I don't, I don't fucking okay. pay attention to those movies, but I know he goes like a uh, fucking one level deeper or some shit. <laughs> and then also uh, when he goes into double hyper time and he's like testing that he can go through walls, it very much looks like the mirror shot at the end of Prince of Darkness where she's putting <laughs> her hand through it. It's like the same oh, exact yeah. angle of him putting his hand through the door to see that he can walk through walls and stuff, which is, the power that you get when you go double hyper time.
1: True. That also reminds me of the, the intro to Danny Phantom where he'd walk Um, through walls and stuff. Nice.
0: So after the explosion, we're, uh, we're back at all back at home. Everything's good. And he's got his fucking Mustang, man. And this movie ends on a last shot that really showcases all you need in life to be happy, which is a sick rod, a hot girlfriend, your sister, your, your little sister in the back seat with a de-aged version <laughs> of a thirty-year-old man. Oh my god! <laughs> because yeah, French Stewart becomes a sixteen-year-old at the end of this. That's a
1: whole another movie concept to play around Cause, with. Like,
0: because and it, the sister wants to fuck him.
2: It's so good that there is no better way they could have ended it with. Because it's like it's a young guy, but they they put in the French Stewart voice. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it's ooh, yeah. We didn't mention before
0: that our main character does have a younger sister who's like classic kids movie younger sister's a fucking rag man she just yeah. like won't get off his back <laughs> just being a total whiner yeah, yeah.
1: hitting them with the one liners too i know total
0: zingers yeah. every line of dialogue <laughs> is either a complaint or a zinger but yeah so she like wants to fuck the de-aged version of french stewart at the end and it's pretty w- it's it's a funny note to go out on i got to say because then smashmouth holiday plays again and a cop tries to pull them over for speeding and driving just in the middle of the road, like <laughs> in between the two lanes. And they go into hypertime and drive away. And I guess they're all holding hands when they do that. If all four of them are in the car.
2: <laughs> no, I think it's just because they show earlier when he tap in during the chase scene, he taps one of the cars while he's going out. Oh, of and
0: that's the what gets it out of hyper time. Okay. Yeah. We could go on and on about how hyper time works and all that, but the signs. Yeah, I think we, we'll leave that to more intellectual viewers. You know, the
1: final final scene where he evades the cop. I realize there's a lot of anti-cop, anti-deep state messaging within the movie. Really obsessed with like the mechanics of deep state. And yeah, how, you know, I thought that was kind of cool. Honestly, yeah, like he
0: ends up impersonating a cop during like, True, yeah, just yeah. before the climax, which is, as we said earlier, it is a little bit of a vigilante justice kind of thing if you're going to look at it from that angle but with that shitty viewpoint of vigilante justice you do have a very cool anti-cop sentiment mm-hmm. so i like that aspect of it
2: yeah and there's that one there's a early reference to global warming as there well there is yes yeah.
0: mm-hmm. 2002 you already have a guy trying to get laid by saying he believes in global warming yeah. <laughs> which is like that's ahead of its time mm-hmm. oh
2: and then like one thing I wrote down in that vein where he's like, where uh, Zach is uh, hitting on her, um, is that he he's like excited that she they're gonna have coffee and a swim, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, what 16 year old is just like excited to have coffee with a woman?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I think that just about wraps it up for us this week. Uh, you guys watch anything else cool this week? I watch,
1: um, I watch single white female.
0: How was that? Kind of
1: sucks um it's kind of good though too i liked seeing like the the what's really cool about it and what's cool about a lot of like 90s romantic even though i was about to call this a romantic comedy even though it's not <laughs> um is that, like it i guess it has like the milieu of a romantic comedy where like you have a like a woman working a really nice job in a really like cool apartment so it's always just cool to see like uh the decor in their place and stuff like that.
0: Oh yeah, you, people write essays. They ra They uh. They wax rhapsodic about the Nancy Myers kitchen. You know, <laughs> people love uh, that shit, and yeah. I I get why. You know, it's mm-hmm. lifestyle goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's <laughs> real aspirate, aspirational, yeah. billionaire mindset. Mm-hmm. You see anything interesting this week, J.C.? Uh, let me take a look here. I, th- I last night, attended a 35 millimeter Ooh. screening of John Woo's Hard Boiled. That is one of the best movies I've ever seen, I gotta say. Just, oh man, the God. There's really nothing else to say. It's just an hour-long action climax uh, going through a hospital, and you really can't ask for more than Chow Yun-Fat with a shotgun and a baby. It's just fantastic. Oh. I will say, however, that the audience was very annoying. Like, I get clapping, but they kind of laughed too much at the melodramatic stuff. I get that you have fun with it.
2: That's, like, one of the... I, that frustrated me at, like, the screening of Blowout at the Egyptian. Me too. To, like, we were at the year. same screening, yeah, yeah. It was fucking, like, shitty, because it's, like, what, like you're in for all of this. Like, take it... Like, I don't know. I think you should at least be able to, like, take it seriously. Like, yeah. Get Like, get on... Like with the movie,
0: yeah. During blowout during the last 10 minutes, the guys behind me were just cracking up, and like that's probably as emotionally moving of a 10 minutes as you'll get in the De Palma filmography. Yeah, I don't know mm-hmm. how you can just laugh at that from a distance like a fucking idiot. I don't know. Well, I guess it's because you're a fucking idiot, so uh, that's the last word for this week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll see you next week. Fuck um, idiots, yeah. who laugh at De
1: Palma, yeah. dummies, watch out.
0: Yeah, and follow us on Twitter at iPod underscore video.
2: Bitchface palace. Uh at tallboy thin legs.
0: And we're all on Letterboxd too We love you, sweeties. You're such sweeties for listening. And uh thank you very much, baby. Ah!